Welcome to Biggest Geekest. We're your hosts. I'm Randy. And I'm Joe. This is episode 114 of our show, and the date is Tuesday, November November 15th, 2022. It is. And it was crappy out there delivering yeah. the mail. Yeah. Did you know Indiana got snow before we did, though? Oh, that's fine. They deserve no, it. It's sad. Indiana should never beat Michigan with snow. That's a sad thing. Mm-hmm. Decent crowd. Looks like uh, Darth is in the house. Martinson, Patrick, nice crowd. What's up, guys? Good to see you. Um, everybody needs to prepare for a raid. What? We're going to get raided. We are? Okay, cool. I like raids. It's called a raid. That's what my wife was telling me they were talking about um, cool. doing over from the DVR folks. So at some point. Jump in here and give us some crap. That'll be cool. I like that. So, uh, how's your week been, man? It's been okay. Um, we did not play last week because nope. we're playing this week. We're playing this Thursday, yeah. Yeah, we got a couple more couple more weeks of the OSE stuff, and I think we're going to be transitioning to a different campaign while one of our players is gone. So, yeah, we'll talk about that Thursday night. A little riffs action needs to be on the horizon. I'm not sure I like the sound of that transitioning thing. That's a fair statement. As soon as I said it, I was like, that sounds questionable. Mr. Bob you know, Ann. Some, yeah, Mr. Bob Ann. Some words the we can get our, our hackles up about if someone yeah. uses a particular word. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be like the like the lefties, though. Every time you oh. use a particular word, they're like, blah, blah, blah. Oh, no, words, words mean stuff. Use them when they're appropriate. Don't when they don't. Well, there's a... Well, there's a lot of words that are meaningless now. Oh, yeah, because they use them for so many different things. Yeah, that's a bummer. Yeah. Uh, a pretty good week. I got a little work done on the Big Geek Con. I have some small announcements, um, uh, but I don't know. No, nobody can commit yet. We don't have a place to get the tickets yet, but I think that'll happen soon. I'm, uh, I'll talk about that So when we get to it, but that's all that I did. I've got a few irons in the fire. I mean, I'm going to tell Joe about this, but I'll tell you off air. i got another little project I'm doing, so i got a lot of things I have to get done, so that's all right. Here in about two weeks, I'll have some, maybe three, you know, another week and a half after Thanksgiving, I have four or five days off. And then after that, three weeks, and then I'm off for Christmas break, which I'm hoping is quite a, quite a while. Don't be too jealous, Patrick. You might be a part of that. So... Be prepared. I haven't decided how things are going to go yet. I've, I've got, uh, I've got a bold, bold idea. As long as that bold, so we'll see. Well, um, I, I've got some big geek announcements as well. Cool. So we'll have, um, they're, uh, I think they're pretty good, pretty good announcements. Yeah, mine are not all that exciting, but they are something to say. So um, something. Yep. Shall we uh, jump into the main topic? Well. Maybe we can. Here we go. Looks like our our DVR is starting to show up. How about we we um, 
How about we hold off for a few minutes and let sure. folks come in? All come right. get in here. So, uh, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm kind of excited, but I'm keeping a list and I'm finding my list is getting longer to do. Um, hey, Aaron Wilkerson, what's up, Green Apple Phone Guy? Uh, my list is getting longer. Um, got a handful of things I need to get done, little projects I want to get done. Um, of course, the adventure is still hanging over my head, but um, that's okay. I've got something else I'm trying to write up. And then uh, get it done. Get yeah, it done. No, done. Get good, Randy. That's all I can say. So, well, it looks like we got a couple of DVR Army folks in here. Uh, my uh, my wife was telling me. Ah, yes, I three Lou. Yep, is I believe a DVR. Yep. Um, so murky. She had a particularly good. Um, I don't know if it was part of their live stream or if it was just a. Um, uh, she did a, a um, scam baiting. Oh yeah, uh, and uh, went really well. Cool. Um, the folks were um, trying to pawn off some uh, supplements and stuff as, oh, they're all natural, so they have no drug interactions and <laughs> no side effects, and they're completely safe without any issues which if you got half a brain you know that that that's never true right i mean you could just eat an orange and have a reaction so whatever yeah. anyway uh she got a really good pat on the back yeah and uh i believe they said they're going to have a recording of that available for posterity very cool yeah phone guy and murky are backing that up they're saying she did a heck of a job right so, so glitch. I like that name, glitch. That's a cool name. Glitch, glitch. So, but yeah, D and D wise, I almost did a little discussion tonight. Of uh, guess I'm about to. Uh, it was was it Patrick? Patrick sent me a uh, a link. I didn't explore it very much about Watsy getting sensitivity readers since the Hadozi event during Spelljammer. Oh, there's a new thing. But I, no, I thought they already had the sensitivity readers, and they just failed. But now they're going to have sensitivity readers on all their all their projects moving forward. According oh, to they had to have already had that to some yeah, degree. But uh, the Hadosi got past them, so maybe they maybe they weren't very sensitive. Maybe the sensitivity was set. No. To- yeah, their sensitivity wasn't set. No, it probably was already set to eleven. But for some people, it needs to be set to like fifteen. Yeah. Well, it never Out ends. Who's going, no, to be no. the next, who's going to be the next group that's going to get more offended than the other? So, yeah, it never ends. So, it's all it's grasping at straws for yeah, the oppression Olympics. Bunch of gobbledygook. Yeah. But uh, Watson can do whatever they want. I'm not interested. Um, whoa, what is this, Murky? Tell me it ain't so. I've never played a full game of D&D. Only other alike dice games like Who's John and MiniQuest. Oh, dude. You need to do that. Don, you need to absolutely get yourself into a sweet D and D game. There's nothing, yeah. nothing better. So, not for my money anyway. No, no, it's great bang for your buck. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you get lots of replayability, better than any video game, um, better than any card game. Yeah. You do a lot of the same things you do when you sit down at for party games or card games or whatever. You're sitting around making decisions. Um, there's a random element. Um, but there's a lot more dimensions to it. Yep. Um, and you still get to just sit around and and shoot the crap and yeah, and, uh, 
do what you normally do when you say you're hanging out with your friends. You just have extra stuff. And if you're not set on playing the newest and coolest version of the game, you can pick up a clone like Old School Essentials. How You bought the advanced book, didn't you, Joe? How much was it? 40 bucks? Something like that. 40 bucks, and it's one book, and it covers everything. So you could play years on that one book. So it's mm-hmm. hard. And, and entertainment for, for the bucks, role-playing can be beat. I mean, no. you don't have to collect all this crap like I have. That's just mm-hmm. crazy. So Legion in the house. What's up, bro? Uh, either one is good. Good evening is fine. And also, howdy. They're both good. Okay, cool. Oh, Murky says he don't have any in real life friends. Boo. He must be far off in you, some nether region. Well, you can play online too. It's not it's not ideal, but it it, a, uh, it beats um, it beats not playing at all. It's a thing. So people love it. Oh. There's also there's all kinds of alternatives to the current thing uh, that Watts the current Frankenstein game Watsy has out. Right. Um, um, you've got not only the old school essentials and clones. You can go on eBay and and pick up um, older older versions of the game. Um, when you go too far back, they get pretty pricey. Yeah. Or they're in bad shape, or both. Oh, what did I see this week on eBay? I saw something that was cool. There was a original copy of Lost Caverns of Sojanth. Before it was put, it was a tournament module. It was all in black and white with a forward by Gary Gygax. So it was like the official first one that was put out at Gen Con. And the bidding started at $2,700. <laughs> oh, Darth, look at that. He's right. For Gold and Glory, it's just AD&D second edition. It's just one book and was around 20 bucks for a hardback. Dude, right. you, can't be, you can't beat that with a stick. No, not when not in this day, this day and age when uh, brand new games are like 60 bucks for the uh, hard covers. Oh, um, if you do board games that are like board games, oh my God. 100 bucks, easy. Yeah, some of those fancy board games are pricey, dude. They got a bunch of minis. Yeah, you're paying more than 100 probably. Yeah, actually, I was speaking of board games. I've been I was li- listening to the latest Legion of Myth that's out on podcast. Yeah, uh, and they were talking about doing board game reviews, but I hadn't really got that going. But I, it'd be cool. We have a board game geek here with us with in Pat. That would be cool um, if he could. It could be a thing we do with Pat. Oh yeah, yeah Pat is Pat's uh, for our group. He's kind of the king of the board games, isn't he? Yeah, yeah he's got. I mean, he's got a whole wall bookshelf wall full of them. Yeah, probably multiple. Yeah. But well, looks like we're getting a crowd. You want to jump in the topic? Oh, I, I responded to that. Go ahead and read it. Mister Max Bavan says I don't have in real life friends nearby either, and I don't have a decent internet connection because I'm in the middle of nowhere. I watch you in 240p. Oh, that's got it. Well. I mean, it is us, so it's not, you're not missing much. <laughs> <laughs> I assume that's not really good uh, video. No. Um, 1080p is kind of normal for TVs these days. Well, 1080p is kind of meh for TVs. Well, your TV is a 4K. Oh, okay. Which is four 1080ps, essentially. Our man wants to know if you're really in jail. Why does he think you're in jail? Oh, because of the plain wall, the way this wall looks. No, I'm oh. not. Okay, no, no. You're doing good, our man. 
no, I, I um, for various reasons, I just reconfigured my room. I'm going to put some decorations up in here, and the, the walls are going to change color at some point, spontaneously. Spontaneous, yeah. Without I'm having to, to paint them. Yeah, I'm going to pick up something, do some rearranging here too. But I got room to move around a little bit more than I did before, but still some blockage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Castles and Crusades. Someone mentioned it's free on on uh, the the uh, PDF is free. So. Yeah. And lot, there's lots of um, system re reference documents. You can always use those to get your game on. You can play. Our game is, our hobby is so low cost. If for yeah. entry level, you can't beat it. Yeah, I've been reading uh, Dungeon and Delvers, the PDF. I haven't gotten my hardback yet, but um, it's interesting. I think uh, I think Mr. Uh, David Gow took a nice twist on some third edition, fifth edition mix stuff with a few other things and a little old school flair. His, uh, his game is pretty slick. I have to say I'm liking what I'm seeing. So. Okay. Give me a moment before you start. Okay. Um, I have, um, gilded, which is like discord. Uh -huh. And I joined this, um, this one server and the I'm just going to close it. The um, oh, everyone, everything went blank on my in my screen. Oh, there we go. Um, oh, I got to close it here too. It's like notification hell. I'm getting constant because it's a very busy um, server. Oh, come on. So Gilded is like Discord. Yeah. Okay. I know I'm part of that. I don't check it very often because, well, I suck at stuff like that. Lady One's in the house. Well, I think the crowd is building up here. Pretty cool. Okay. There we go. I just turned off notifications. Oof. That's good. I was trying to figure that out on the fly, and I just accidentally hit the right spot. All right. Let's get let's get going. We're, um, yeah. Burning. I would say burning daylight, but not really. Yeah. So here are the main topic. We're talking about attributes, uh, not just in D&D, &D, but mainly in D&D &D and other RPGs. Um, we're going to kind of do some comparison of attributes, and then I want to answer some other questions, more general questions about attributes. Maybe I should do generally first. I don't know. Maybe, maybe we should go with the questions first. What do you think, Joe, before we hit all that? Maybe we can just come back to the other systems as we go. Sure. Hit the questions, and then we'll do the other stuff. Yeah. So um, so with attributes, things like in D&D, &D, you would think of strength, dexterity, constitution, intelligence, wisdom. And Constitution Charisma, let me take a look here. Um, I'm going to try to share something. We know that's a dangerous thing. What's the new word now? It's not share. I present. Let me present something to you because we love presenting. We're very presentational. Um, yeah, it, it might be just because it's new. It's kind of like Discord. Flady is saying he just started using Gilded and he finds it harder to use. Yeah. I just think it's 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 similar but slightly different. So, the nature of attributes. Uh, so we're talking about there's no uniform consensus on what ability scores are. So should they be strength? Should they be stamina? Um, even if many role playing games have them, but games that use them have a common theme. Um, according to a BBC Cult TV website, all characters have attributes, physical and mental. Um, and so in Pathfinder and D and D, there's six of them says um, 
in such games as, what does I say, beginning with bunnies and burrows, including more modern versions of D&D. The attribute works with the skill to affect the overall uh, outcome. And one of my first sort of big questions, so we can talk about the different attribute system using D&D as the, as the main um, impetus here. Um, how big of a role, for, if we're talking about attributes, your mental and physical attributes, not necessarily skills, um, how big of a role do you think they should play in the overall power level of your character? And I guess that brings, well, go ahead, well, just in general, what, what do you think? Should, should attributes be in the be the be all and tell all of the power of your character? I vacillate on this because I've thought about that when we've been mulling over our own rules and some systems they barely figure in at all. Mm-hmm. And some systems, it's an amalgam of that and skill, um, depending on what you're talking about. Some, and even in those, sometimes the skill plays a a, um, a larger role than the stat. Sometimes your level or your char- some other uh, figure based on your character's power level is in the mix as well. Um, this is really, I think, as subjective as anything else in our hobby. I think it really um, is. Because, I mean, it depends on whether you are looking to emulate what you think real life is with regard to your your um, pers- a, a person's uh, base capabilities outside of anything they've been trained in. Mm-hmm. Um, are you trying to simulate that? Are you trying to emulate that? Are you trying to emulate some other um, literary genre or visual media like comic by comics or movies. So it probably just depends on what your, your, your base conceits are for your game. So you you probably just want to pick one. Yeah. I don't think any of them, any, any of these um, paradigms are necessarily superior to any of the other ones. Yeah. Not not necessarily. I think it's interesting. I think in D and D, Oh gosh, it's so hard to say, but in early D and D your stats were pretty good. Um, I mean, they were pretty significant initially, but that could run dry if you didn't, say, in TSR editions, if you never gained any magic items, you know, your level would help some, but you could really struggle. Well, I think in the earliest editions of D&D, your stats didn't matter much. Yeah, oh, sure. Oh, D&D, they were almost minuscule. I mean, I was looking, and maybe someone here can correct me, I was looking at my OD&D Men and Magic book, I couldn't find modifiers for strength, for attacking. They weren't there. Just damage, right? Uh, Just that. Damage. No, not even damage. So everything was a D six. Um, oh, John Slow makes a good comment. Um, natural aptitude attributes should be more meaningful at low level, low skill. Skills or experience should be more at the, as the character ages. That's a fair approach. Yeah, that's more of a simulation, maybe emulation type yeah. paradigm. What you, you know, think so, real life is like? Yeah, you know, that's where third edition lost a lot of. To me, a lot of its cred is because your stats kept bumping up and up and up forever. Well, the thing is, you could say that your skill is increasing, but you could also say that your natural capabilities are being honed. Sure. Your strength could increase, your knowledge, maybe even your reasoning capacity. It used to be people thought that you couldn't really increase that, but now uh, more and more, uh, I think, uh, research is showing that you can to some degree. Mm-hmm. So, and your wisdom definitely can uh, get better with time. So, 
um, are those, is that skills or is that you? Yeah. Um, Mr. Boivin makes a couple interesting points. He says, this reminds me in the HEMA community, I don't know what that is, a few years back, some people were pissed off that new athletic guys would join a club and just win because of their athleticism, despite not knowing techniques. Yeah. HEMA, I don't know what that stands for. HEMA is a martial arts uh, organization in Europe. Yeah. I can't was, remember. Is it historical European martial arts, something like that? Yeah. Um, and Max later on says, I see the same when I coach powerlifting. Some people are just naturally strong, and this will help, help them at first. But soon enough, technique is important. I've been on both ends of that. I mean, I, I don't know if I've told this story here. My ex-wife took a class in racquetball when we were in college. And um, I know I don't look it, but Joe can verify. I'm moderately athletic for a fat guy. And um, she took this class. She got an A in racquetball, so she wanted to play me. I had never played the game before. I beat her the very first time I played. And it was because I was more athletic, I hit harder, and I was flinging myself against the wall, which she wasn't willing or able to do. And she got really upset. You know, my technique is better. Well, you know, what I've learned is sometimes there's no accounting for athletic advantage. When I play basketball, I can outshoot. Most of the time, I'm one of the better shooters on the floor. If you're just picking up random dudes, I shoot as well as pretty much anybody. I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm bragging when I say that. And but it doesn't mean I'm going to do well. I mean, when I played at college one time a few years ago, not in college, at my college with some of the younger guys, they stick a guy's about six four on me and very athletic. He shot me down. Even right. though I'm more technically skilled than him, I couldn't get a shot off. It didn't matter. So, yeah, I mean, this is the, in, in real life, you got to kind of live with that. I think I think your experience can count more if you're both equally athletic. So and it depends uh, on the arena. Yes. In some in some um instances athleticism natural abilities um can weigh more heavily in certain situations than your training and technique so um well oh hey t-shirt t-shirted what's up buddy glad you're here yeah i think your attribute i think your strength intelligence sometimes skill there's a point where I mean, your skill can only take you so far too. You can train perfectly, but if you're a if you're a five foot, you know, five foot six, uh, 138 pound man who's spindly and thin, and is the master, you learned all the techniques for the black belt. I'm not saying you couldn't be dangerous, but if you face off against a guy that's six four, two twenty, two percent body fat, and he's got a what's the middle of the road belt, orange belt. If it's an actual fight and not a just a little scene. Well, you might get your you might get your face kicked in. You might you might um, orange belt. Okay. I don't know the I don't know the color. Yeah yeah yeah. I don't. I would that. say yeah. It all depends. Middle belt or someone that's close to black belt, but you're a black belt. And right? it all it all depends on when they get to fighting whether they use their t those techniques or not, or whether that two two hundred twenty pound guy just punches him in the face really hard. Well, I if mean, he's really fast, even if he has no technique, he could be a guy off the street. I mean, I've seen, I've seen people with, you know, quote unquote skills get owned. And know, the the technique guy, yeah, the technique guy, might get in some good licks, mm -hmm. but the the big the bigger guy might not notice them. May not feel it as much, and then when he gets in right. close, it might be lights out. Because uh, us big guys, we can absorb some punishment. Um, yeah. So Legion's trying to get us back on track a little bit. I think. My point yeah. Is, well, the thing is, though, yeah. um, 
an individual all by themselves, you know, comparing people against each other is useful as well. Uh, but what Legion says, my point wasn't about comparing two different people, but about an individual. When comparing, I think skill is slightly more important, but natural aptitude is important. Yeah. Sure. And the thing is, take your pick which one's more important for your game system if you're making one. Um, I don't, it's, I think, uh, um, I think people can justify either one being more important. Yeah. So when you're playing your game, you absolutely have to uh, make that decision. So, um, so I guess we're saying, so then the next question might be mute. Maybe we agree with this. So in a game like D&D, TSR, there were no skills. There were, what do they call them? Proficiencies. But there were yeah, proficiencies. And then before that, they had a... Non-weapon proficiencies. Yeah, but before that, before they even brought what, those in second edition, those were... Um, oh, uh, secondary skills. Secondary, secondary skills. skills or, yeah. Uh, those never seemed to have too much to them, in, in, in my opinion. I mean, they were fine. People liked them. Um do you think attributes should um, modify skills or should skills just be, I mean, like in, in Savage Worlds, attributes, do, they don't modify skills. What they do, which is kind of interesting, your attribute, if you're really high in, say, agility, you got a high score in agility in Savage Worlds, it makes it easier for you to get better at fighting because fighting is based on agility. Correct. Once easier you, to, for, for easy, it's lower cost for that skill. And I think that what we're talking about with Mr. Max Bavan there is that if you're a natural athlete, you will learn the martial art quickly to a certain point. You know, there'll be certain physical skills that you'll just be good at, right? Um, so I, I think in that in that respect, I think Savage Worlds mimics that pretty well. Uh, do you think that? I guess I think I, I can't imagine that attributes shouldn't modify skills, but you could have them. I think Savage Worlds does that in a different way. You don't get a stat. Well, the thing is, different. Yeah, different systems handle um, skill, the skill um, attribute issue. Like um, you buy the skill, and maybe, or you have the skill based on a background or whatever, and instead of maybe your attribute modifying the skill, your attribute sets your success level so if you are um and if you are athletic and you have a high dexterity maybe you roll under your dexterity depends on the system right hmm do you think there should be how many levels of differences should there be in attributes i mean do you think i guess in a fantasy game you could say whatever because that's what third edition did your strength could get as high as you could get it right so for third edition, for third edition, your your strength yeah. can be as high as you want it. I mean, you theoretically, yeah, high, theoretically, it could be any number. Yeah. Do you think that's better if you go old school, where you have a range of three to eighteen, and only magic takes you out of a certain, or even fifth edition, you get a range of three to twenty, and only magic or special circumstances move you beyond that? Well, I mean, there's a practical limit in third edition. You have the base number you start with, plus however many stat bumps you get based on your level. Plus and if you stop at 20, then you stop at 20. You only get four bumps or five yeah. bumps. So, well, but if you get five bumps, technically you're probably going to have an 18. Let's be honest. If you're doing point build, right? And then, so you could have a 28. Uh, well, 23 with just five five bumps. 18. Aren't bumps. they plus twos? Oh, are they? 
Oh. Maybe I'm remembering differently. I can't remember either. It doesn't yeah. matter. So you'd have some captain, you have magic items, which could add up to eight. Actually, magic items had lots of them. Then they had crazy. They had, remember later on in the in the deep end of the pool when we were well into three five, it was getting heavy. There were all sorts of weird bonuses that magic items would stack on. I mean, you know, we had characters thirty six. We played a seven right because you yeah. you could have uh, um, the, bo- the whatever the name of the bonus was that your um, your magic item gave you right, and then you could get a different. Um, coded bonus from a different there weren't a lot of them but there were some and like, luck, oh, bonus, got you and luck stones. bonuses luck bonuses, luck were, bonuses. Unlimited. were unlimited they yeah. were stack yeah um, so yeah that was pretty crazy um but in a, in a magical world you could say well you get crazy characters um that's in third edition yeah i don't know if that's martinson i think he's talking 5e there i don't think that was third edition Plus two or two stats. I, I can't remember. It's too long ago. It really doesn't matter at this point. Um, oh, Iron Man says he dislikes using attributes as the target role. D20 versus your attribute is a newer part of my game. Tasks are more complicated than just a strength or dex role. They can be. I, I'm experimenting with a, not a new one, one that I stole off the internet that I'm modifying uh, in a game that I'm working on. And it's not rolling a D20, though. So we'll see how that how that works out how it plays right, out. Right. Yeah, um, I, I agree with Armin to, to on on uh, in one respect. I think I mentioned this while we were talking about the game. If someone would say a high intelligence or any high stat, mm-hmm. they can do anything with re- regard to that stat. If you're rolling a d20 roll under, yes. just about just about. So uh, let's say I have a character that has an 18. Um, intelligence, and we're trying to know something. Now, this is up to the DM. You you could assign a, a penalty, or yeah. say it's outside of your realm of, of experience or, or whatever. But anytime you're consulting an intelligence check, uh, or any like I was saying, any stat check, you're gonna you're just it's just uh, a little too easy. Yeah, and we saw that early on in OSE when we were doing, or in our mud, so first Mud Sword run through, you happen to have a 17 or 18 intelligence wizard. And so if you manage to get that, and you know, we allowed them to roll 46, drop the lowest place where you want. People can argue that's generous, that's fine. But if you're rolling D20, roll under, you knew everything. Everything wanted to demand, every intelligence check you had to make, you practically guaranteed it. Which um, means the DM has to either just roll with that. Yep. Or has to on the fly always be thinking of how, you know, rare or difficult uh, a particular task or area of knowledge is, and um, so it's it's requires more of the DM. This type of system requires more of the DM, the roll under, mm-hmm. than having just target numbers. Right, right. I, I think even my system is going to require more of the DM, but right now I'm fond of it. Cleveland uh, says, I like abstract attributes where there's no specific limit, lift, carry, for X attribute. That way they can grow without pedantry. I'm not sure what he means. Well, actually, I think he's trying to instill increased success chance. Do you know what he means by that? I have no idea. Are you saying you like the third edition where the, the stack can go? No. No, I, I didn't think no. so. That's not Max's thing. He's saying. He, no, I think he's like he's talking about roll under but I'm not sure exactly what you're talking about. Okay, roll under. All right, gotcha. Um, Yeah, I I know in some of our 
players, you know, especially as you get higher level, uh, when it comes to stat, I don't know if it's attributes or, or skills, especially if they come into it, if they modify an attribute, once you get leveled up, you're so skillful, you should probably hardly ever, you know, fail. What does Iron Man mean here? The difference between someone figuring out a task with 12 intelligence versus 18 intelligence should be nearly the same. I disagree. I don't why think nearly so. the same? Then why, why then why have a different number? Yeah, yeah. that's one thing. Uh, the old edition D and D stat um, ranges mm -hmm. for bonuses. To me, there were plus one, zero, minus one. Yeah. And if yeah. now with a roll under system, there is some value to having different stats. Right. But if you're just if you have target numbers, right. Then you have three different stats. You have minus one, zero. Plus one. Those are your stats. That's how D&D &D did it early on. Yeah. And it doesn't really matter what your stats are at that point, really. Not, not if you're doing target numbers, which is why. Not if you're doing target numbers. If you're doing roll under, then it matters. Then it matters. Yeah. Um, but I would like to, I'd like, it'd be interesting to know why, why, and I've heard something like this before. Why should it be nearly the same with a 12 or 18 intelligence. Really? I, I guess I don't follow, I don't see why it would be true. Maybe Iron Man's catching something I'm not. I'm thinking roll under. Maybe he's thinking a different thing. Or is, it, or is his claim more of an opinion that I think people of a 12 intelligence, which is above average, versus a genius, which is 18. I mean, going on D&D, &D, on D&D. &D, yeah, yeah. You know, description. Um, um, oh, okay, here we go. Well, Legion of Myth is uh, qualifying. I don't like it when strength says, and 11 means you can lift 100 pounds. People get too pedantic over what that means via real-world physics advice. You have a X percent. Now shut up and roll. Okay, so I understand what he's talking about. Instead of having a hard number for your strength, you have a percent chance of lifting a, a, a thing. And so at any particular time, Maybe your 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 uh, muscles are weak, or your technique was off, or whatever you whatever you were carrying slips out of your hand. You have a chance of lifting it. Yeah. Instead of um, you can lift X pounds. Now, go ahead. I wouldn't. That would be something you would do in stressful situations. So if you're if you're just picking up your backpack and putting it on your shoulder, you're not going to make a roll for that. No. But if you are trying to lift something heavy off of off of a, like a, your buddy who's getting crushed underneath it, it then slide. you make them roll something like that and then i guess but then with those kind of with that kind of percentile you have that issue with um you have that issue with what if someone has a 20 percent chance strength someone has an 80 the one rolls 80 gets 82 and fails when this 20 goes oh zero five i made it the little yeah, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Open the stuff door. <laughs> now that was possible in other cases too. You know, I got a minus three, but I could roll a twenty and still end up getting a, a seventeen, which is what I needed. But it seems like, yeah, it, I, yeah. Can you avoid that? I think if you say eleven only allows you to apply a force of one hundred pounds per square inch or whatever you want to do, if that's the case, then that's more. Then you could say, yeah, you can't open this door. So, well. John, it's, it's a matter of predictability versus abstractions. Lots of people yeah. like abstractions. Um, and I get it. Um, you, the chance that someone that has 80% chance of lifting a thing 
is going to fail and then the person with a 20% chance is going to succeed is very small. I've heard so, that. I wonder if this is true. T-shirt says, for int, at least you can look at it as a measure of IQ. A 10 intelligence is equal to 100 IQ, so a 20 would be a 200 IQ. I wonder if that's the case in D&D. With that in mind, you have some ideas about how smart a character really is. Yeah, in, in the real world. I think Legion's saying he hates too much reliance on the real world, especially in a fantasy game. Well, that and hard numbers. Um... I don't think so. I don't think so, dude. Our man says anyone can figure out a task with average intelligence, maybe given time. Yep. It's possible. And help. But and a person with 18 intelligence gets a bonus, but not 30% or 40%. Pure intelligence is not usually the case for solving anything. Okay, sure. That's fair. But it does a lot. Very smart people. And, and the thing is, uh, strength, dexterity, and constitution are fairly hard as far as relationship between the um, what it's talking about and your physicality right intelligence and wisdom maybe charisma to a lesser I'm extent are a little more fuzzy because what is intelligence yeah precisely and what is right? is it IQ intelligence no. it would be should be probably your reasoning capacity um wisdom I don't know what that's supposed to be I me and a friend were talking, you know, you know, Greg T, we were talking this past week about combining wisdom and charisma as a willpower score. That always seemed to make more sense, but that's me. Um, Correct. So uh, Iron Man also says almost nothing in RPG is based upon one stat. Um, depends on what version of what game. I know in D&D, it's almost always been one stat, unless you're talking about intel, uh, your level. Sometimes that was added in, but early on it was just your stat. Um, so yeah, it was at some point. But what you're saying, uh, what I hear, what I agree with here is, what are you solving? Knowledge is not intelligence. Correct. You can't pull info out of your rear. You have to have so it has to come from somewhere. But you can deduce things. I do do that with my students all the time. When I teach, I, they might may not have a clue what I'm talking about with a derivative. But if I tell them. This is the idea. How do you think we do it? Sometimes they can they can come up with that on their own. They don't need me to tell them, quote, unquote, the rule. Climbing a wall of strength, dex, and intelligence. In what game? Well, I mean, he's saying in a practical situation, I believe. I don't want to speak for our men. I think there's a little bit of that. Uh, it's mostly, I would say it's mostly strength and then dex. But intelligence, where to put your hand and stuff like that, Sure. Yeah, maybe you're you're saying in real life that's what it should be, or if you're emulating real, maybe. But D and D, I don't know. That doesn't that doesn't sound yeah. right. Um, what does it say here? Uh, I uh, could be wrong. I mean, there could be an early version of D and D where they talk about this stuff and it uses all three, but I don't remember that. Yeah, I I, I do think we could. We could argue which stats we should use, which is kind of kind of fun to think about. I mean, I'm toying with a saving throw mechanic. Joe knows about a little bit where I'm going to marry together a couple of the D&D stats on the saving throws um, for the modifier. Uh, I, I'm thinking, um, you know, something like if you're going to make a fortitude, let your strength and your con affect that. And your reflex, like your let your dexterity and your intelligence, you know, intelligence being seeing an attack coming. 
let them modify it. And then wisdom and charisma affect any kind of willpower saving throw, um, force of personality, um, years of experience, knowledge, background, wisdom. Uh, we used to always say, didn't we used to always say wisdom was street smarts? That was kind of a weird thing. To yeah, say. something like that. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, L is saying something here, except for the, you know, the eye rolling is, is, is nice. Um, you get three, six worth of score and you have to roll a D20. You can't have much fidelity to work with when the spread is so narrow. Um, I guess um, it's just par part of the game. Stop trying to make sense of it. We always do that. Yeah. We always try to make sense of it. It's fun. That's the fun part. Now, the way it, what I agree with is um, you can't pinpoint it too heavily because it is abstract. So you have to, the way I always say is you pick something and you do it. So uh, that's what they, many of these games do. They pick a, a, um, a method of doing your skills and that's what you get. I don't yeah. think you can say this method better emulates the real than any of the other ones because what you want. yeah it, because honestly pulling off a task there's innumerable variables in it that you, you you're not going to emulate in a game because it would take too much figuring and to little to little you know value so what he's he's saying is correct to a degree um mr brogan said something i think i kind of don't fully agree with, but I see what he's saying. There are some types of knowledge you can deduce. There are some things you can deduce. Some you can't. Okay. Actual facts, right. Um, no matter how much you ponder on it, you won't be able to know the name of the king of Belgium in 1820 unless you learn it somewhere. But I would claim that a person that's highly intelligent who can have reasoning skills that are both efficient, uh, proper, and fast would learn knowledge faster. I wouldn't even claim that. That's a fact. They would, remember, they would remember things easier. Now, you're right. If they don't know it, they don't know it. But maybe they could tell you all about the king of Belgium just by knowing the culture and the, and the political situation in 1820, even if, meaning, meaning could say, well, the nobles are putting pressure on him here, and the, the religious people were putting pressure on him here, and the peasantry had problems with this. So he could make some deductions that could be labeled intelligence or wisdom. In fact, the book, the Bible sometimes calls wisdom, it refers to wisdom as intelligence. I mean, that's how, how it does. So, yeah. Yeah. Like I was saying earlier, the, the, those, the, the intelligence, wisdom, so lesser degree charisma, those are all kind of fuzzy. Um, they're kind of fuzzy in what they precisely yeah. mean. Strength is pretty much pretty precise and exact uh, constitution, maybe a tiny bit less so, but dex and dexterity more, more spot on but yeah. intelligence is mental a little stats, fuzzy mental stats are fuzzier um yeah how many i mean i know we had the big the six attributes in D, &D. uh how many attributes i guess you can't say should you have it sounds like i mean i would in some sense i'm kind of happy with folding certain things together but i guess i don't know i've played with the six stats for D, &D so long i really kind of like them i'm just kind of enamored of them um Um, what's L saying? I'm going to have to prove him wrong again. Randy, objection. Intelligence is meaningless to how easy something is to learn. False. Look at people Wait, with good math grades, big, bad, bad, I think he said bad history grades and vice versa. No, good math grades and bad history grades 
don't necessarily mean that you're intelligent. You can get good math grades and just be good at memorizing stuff and learning patterns. It could be a variety of things. Um, I think what intelligence measures, and you're right, I think you can be intelligent. Uh, people, I've had people that were intelligent that hated math and they wouldn't try. And so they'd barely get by, you know, or they'd fail. So um, I don't, I don't think that, I think intelligence does allow you to reason well in pretty much any field. A high and highly intelligent person can reason in almost any, definitely an academic field. Uh, doesn't mean you can do everything well. I'm not saying that. So what you said could happen, but it doesn't mean you're not intelligent. You might get like for you know you might get a bad grade in history because you hate it and you just won't work in that in that class. You know. Yeah. Probably. There's a lot. There's a lot. There's there's a lot to that. That's not being said. Just because somebody gets a good grade here and a bad grade here doesn't mean anything. Yeah, it, you have to have more data than just a grade in one class and a grade in another class. Yeah. Sure, in a practical sense, this is interesting. Armin says, if we need a bridge, my money is on the average intelligence farmer and not the magic user. Sure, he probably doesn't have engineering experience, but I would also take the low intelligence, say the 10 intelligent dwarf who's built bridges his whole life over the farmer. Yeah, because the farmer might not know anything about building bridges either. And then that's skill. But yeah. Um, it's a combination. I'm not arguing they don't matter. They're all connected. I mean, I get it. Um, What's okay. Emulating. I think all of this um, mm -hmm. talk is really emblematic of these games don't represent real. Right. We cannot simulate real with very small amounts of data. A game your game character has very, very little, a very small amount of information about that you that you have on the paper, compared to what you could write about you as a person. Mm -hmm. Although you may not believe that, but it's true. Your character has very, very. Your character sheet has very little on it. It doesn't emulate real. It's not supposed to. It's no. supposed to be a vehicle for you to have uh, a fun time. So yeah. um, that's why I'm, I usually just say pick it and do it yeah um come and do it Dorothea there is uh quoting i think something really close to this quick google search on intelligence the ability to acquire understand and use knowledge yeah i mean we all have our the gathering of such information information especially secret information gathered about an actual potential let's see now that's that sounds weird but uh, no 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 the, yeah intelligence when it comes uh, to yeah yeah secret gather intelligence know, that's it yeah yeah, yeah, true. Um, so, yeah, um, I think what game designers, I hope that they're not trying to emulate real. I hope what they're trying to do is have a set of things that make a fun game. I think fun game, but I, I don't want it to be, oh, look how fun it is to roll these dice, but the rules don't make any sense. Correct. It still has to make sense, have internal logic and whatnot, but you still yeah. don't need it to... You need it to may have some sense, maybe some, maybe a shadow of the real, because we need some of that. Yes, but yeah. it doesn't have to be precise. Yeah. Um, who was it? T-shirt said he has nine stats in his game. That's interesting. And Martinson says a new game he just got called We Deal in Lead has only three stats. That's like Numenera. There's only three stats. Mm -hmm. um, was it? Did you look at the phase rip link there? That's interesting. Oh, I, 
yeah, phase rip. It's a ta it's everything's tables. Yeah. So um, you and you your stat determines what column you use, but uh, yeah. depending on circumstances, that can be modified somewhat. Yeah. So you can get a column shift one way or the other. Yeah. Here's the. I'll share just real quickly, not for a long time. I'm sure most of the folks have seen it, but I will. It's share. probably why a lot of people like it. It's very simple to use. Oh, it, it really is. Um, uh, there is the phase rip chart. I know you can't hardly, it doesn't come can't in. really see it. No. See if I can make can you, There you go. At the top, the battle effects, and you got the table. Um, you got feeble, poor, typical, good, and so on, extraordinary. They have the ranking. So if you have a typical, um, a uh, typical stat you want to get usually in your target is to get a green success or a yellow success. Of course, the colors get harder. Uh, and notice when you get to like scores in the uh, uncanny range, it's pretty easy. Those are lower percentiles that you have to roll uh, to be successful. Um, it's an interesting. I have to admit the one time, I don't know if you recall this at CabinCon, let me stop showing this. One time at CabinCon, I played Phase Rip just out of the blue. We ran a game and it was kind of fun. It was a very enjoyable uh, skill system. Uh, VTM, I should know that. Vampire, Vampire the Vampire has nine stats. Yeah, that's that's one system I only played. I think Joe Joe may have played more than me. I played twice. I played a few short sessions of not Dark World. What was it? Dark Ages Vampire. Mm -hmm. Like the modern Vampire the Masquerade. And by modern, I mean back then it was the first edition. And uh, I didn't quite fully get that system. I know it wasn't terribly complicated with the pips and the dots and all that stuff. So, um so, yeah, I, I don't know if I have much of an opinion on that, uh, but that's that's cool. I, I have no issues with – gosh, it comes down, you said, Joe, mostly to preference and what you enjoy. If it makes right. it more sense to you, then it works. If, you, if you're more of a simulation uh, – if simulation has uh, more um, meaning to you, you're probably going to want more stats. Yep. Uh, the more abstract-minded you are, especially for your temperament for this game, for this yep. hobby – yeah. Maybe you, fewer stats you're going to like, yeah. Because the the games with the fewer stats are you know usually um, more abstract overall. Uh, certainly, um, what's the one that we've played with the three stats? Um, Numenera. Yeah, Numenera. That whole that whole uh, cipher system. Cool. Uh, damn. Yeah. What is it called? Money Cook. Money Cook. What? what is that called? The cipher system. Oh, sorry. The <laughs> What's it called, Joe? You keep saying it. I don't get it. Yeah, yeah. I'll say it again. The cipher <laughs> system. So it has three three stats, and it's a hugely abstract. Oh, yeah. And Savage Worlds, while it's not abstract, it does ease things into there because it gives you five stats, so barely a step away from D&D, &D, but at least you're just rolling. You have a die type for the stat, and then you get a D6 because you're a wild card and you roll. Uh, mm -hmm. your skill is higher, you get to use that die type. And so that makes it pretty simple to apply, and it's still fairly abstract. Uh, you tend to have more successes. I think Savage Worlds in some ways, I don't know, sometimes it's pr it's pretty swingy. It's a swingy game. So you tend to have a lot of moderate successes and then some great successes and then some epic failures. So if, if you're in for a lot, if you're in for pretty crazy action stuff, Savage Worlds is pretty cool. I mean, you get lots of swings in the in the success category. What about something like Fate? I've never played it, so I have really no idea. I dislike Fate simply because of who the guy that makes it, makes it in the company. They're kind of douchebags. Um, but 
fate is very bizarre where you describe your um your skills your skills as well uh skill one where you don't have really have stats you just have moves you have sentences defining aspects of your character like i am you know i am a uh, detective and i have issue with alcohol so you describe yourself that way i'm a very so question i'm sorry to interrupt go ahead was fate around first or cypher system because this sounds just like cypher fate was first that is like the dresden game yes martinson um and you describe your aspects of your character i am a supernatural detective i never give up on my man i'll always catch my man and i am uh addicted to alcohol uh yes correct that's the problem i had with it darth um i do think fate could be a fun you could have a fun experience but you would i would very carefully cultivate my table and people would have to you have to be there first of all it's more of a story game than it is a a true roll out of dice game uh but everybody has to be there to tell a cool story and if that's not what you're about which a lot of us here are not about that then you know you're not it's a primary goal i mean that's kind of it has to be because dark for us it's more the emergent story from the play not you're trying to imagine some elaborate story and and all that no but yeah so fate it's interesting fate you describe your character's capabilities with sentences or you describe your whole character with a sentence yeah so which one is it so you use a couple of sentences to describe i don't know how it works completely right right that sounds like cypher in cypher system you describe your character with a a sentence yeah you still have stats but that sentence determines all your character's capabilities it's actually codified Mm-hmm. I am a I am a glaive who swings swords with magical uh, affinity. You know, yeah, and something like that. You look in the book; each one of those phrases literally means something. Yeah, so you don't make them up. In fate, you make them up, and it's a bargain mm-hmm. game between you and the DM and the other players. Like I said, Darth is not far from wrong. It's basically BS fest. But if you get players that want to min max, if you're a player that likes to squeeze out every advantage that you can, then uh, uh, yeah, fate's going to just fall flat. It's going to be a big, fabulous argument. Um, I, I have wondered that, L. Um, fate sounds like the perfect thing for, uh, I wouldn't call him a fake gamer like Shauner. You call him fake. I, I won't call Shauner a fake gamer. He's a unique gamer. <laughs> he has his own style. I, I'm surprised he, I wonder if he likes fate. Um, oh, Dreads? Oh, yeah. Now, this one's, this takes some effort. Martinson ran um, Dread at CabinCon once, which we had a hell of a time with it. It uses a questionnaire. So basically, you just answer a whole bunch of questions. And he's not kidding. That's the Jenga one. 20 or 30 questions, right? Yeah, the Jenga one. So, yeah. Um, well, Legion Legion does back me up or back L up. He does think Fate would be good for Shauner. I could play Fate, I could run Fate. But it would have to be, I mean, I feel like such a, what does that one guy on Nerd nerd Cognito call him? Sparkle Troll? Sparkle Trolls, <laughs> yeah. Sparkle Troll, when I say I would, you know, very carefully cultivate my table, I would have a session zero where we're all on the same page. We're here to tell a story, a dark, pulp, magical story, and good things and bad things will happen to your character. 
Because there are some people that never want anything bad to happen to their character. That's okay. You know, when they play D and D, they're like, "I'm going to do everything I can and twist every every rule that I have, and not trying to cheat, but to keep my dude alive." You know, mm -hmm. and they're more concerned about you know keeping their uh, tune alive than they are. Yeah. You know, role playing, and I'm not pooping on them, but they would not like fate. They would be annoying to have at a fate table. Um. So, yeah, but uh, yeah, fate is not for me. What does L say? Yeah, he's just Shauner. Uh, Shauner um, doesn't think D and D is a role playing game. <laughs> okay. Essentially, I've heard him I've say heard that. that argument before. Um, it's good enough for me, dude. He can think what he wants. I don't. Everybody I, has their opinions. I yeah, mean, we've, we've just displayed a lot of different opinions about attributes that some we agree with some, we don't agree some, but I mean, we're all, hey, who cares? If he loves Traveler, knock yourself out, dude. Play the crap. Yeah. Shauna and I are never going to sit down at the same table. No, you would hate unless that. we're at a unless we're at a con and uh, try it one time. Then I ask him something. He says, "You can't ask me questions." Then you I'm, like, okay, I'm out. <laughs> See you, dude. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, hey, whatever. I don't want to poop on the dude. I, I listen to his podcast he, sometimes. He's an he, interesting cat. Yeah. Yes. Um, it's he, he says it's an adventure game, not a role playing game. Uh, okay. So he wants to define. Can, can it be both? It can be both. Yeah. Uh, Wildman brings us back to focus. How much should an attribute count towards success or failure? Yeah. Uh, in modern D&D, you can get up to plus six due to your attribute, but only plus five due to your skill. If you're talking about, oh, what is it called? Proficiency bonus? I believe it counts. Oh, I, no, I, I thought it was plus six. Plus six. It's plus six as well. You can get a 20 stat, so it's the other way around. Uh, Boivan, Mr. Boivan, it's plus five for having a 20 stat and plus six for your proficiency bonus. So plus 11, plus 11 is the max at 20th level, depending on your uh, uh, other little bonuses and magic yeah. items and stuff. Um, they, they call it bounded accuracy, but really it's called we hate big numbers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and that's okay. I mean, well, you know what? If you look at third edition, it's not they that got I, too big. Yeah, just got a, you got a, you know, like max or uh, he made the dice. He made the dice irrelevant. You got plus thirty-seven. Why are you rolling a d twenty? Yeah, you're going to hit everything. Um, though, if you want to keep the game going, and I did this for well over three years, I played in a campaign, hardcore three zero three five. Joe was in it. My seven spheres game. I put my, I put my time in. I'm, you know, Joe was rolling at one point, and this is going to sound crazy, you guys. He had a wizard that had DCs. In the fifties and sixties, and I still it had ridiculous. I still had him sweating bullets. Mm -hmm. There was stuff, so the game was balanced for us and my table. Um, but it took so much work. Oh my god, I don't even want to tell you how much time I spent every week working on that game. But it was yeah. We had I think that there's probably a way to strike a balance between not having you know outlandish numbers and still, I mean, still double digit numbers at most, but. Um, between the difference between a first level character and a 20th level character performing a skill is five or four, right? Because you get plus two for your proficiency at first level. Plus, at plus, and plus six is the most. So right. you have a difference of four out of 20 or whatever. whatever plus your stat, your stat would go up. Yeah, but it's, all else being equal, it's four. 
Yeah. Which is silly. Yeah. Um, Legion says a good point here. Um, this is why I like dice pools. Like, yeah, I'm, be, I'm, I like your engines here. I like aliens. I am not enamored of what's the one that you like, buddy. Um, the fantasy one. Fantasy land. What's it called? Not fantasy land. It looks cool, but I just how many got to get Jason? it? No, it's, it's more of an exploration game. Uh, it's one of their the space one. It's got a dinosaur a guy riding a dinosaur on the box set. Legion will tell us in a second. He knows what it is. Forbidden Lands? No. Forbidden Lands. That's it. Forbidden Lands. Yeah. Um, I don't think I'll like that as much. I did like Aliens, uh, but it doesn't mean I won't. Um, I do like the dice pools. They seem fun. Nothing like rolling handfuls of dice and trying to count how many successes you have. That's a fun That's a fun mechanic. It's just fun. We we all have you know buttloads of dice. It's fun to roll them on the table. Well, that's why, what I, I, that's why I was um, – when I was looking at L5R, I liked their – Roll and keep system mm-hmm. pretty well. You get your different dice from different parts of uh, the game, your stat, your skill, mm-hmm. and whatever. Maybe you get a bonus die or whatever because of situation. And then you roll them and then you keep a certain amount. I think that's pretty good. Um, yeah, I think Darth, Darth is commenting on my fate thing. He said, I'm a believer that DM should not try and tell a story as that's the player's part. I agree, and I've been guilty of that. The DM should just create the world the players are in. Yeah, that's true. In fate, I don't think you can do that. I don't even think that's the um, intention of the fate system. It is the opposite, which is where I might withdraw. I said it. I don't have a perfect definition in my head, but I see a difference between a story and a role-playing game. And apparently, Shauner sees a difference between a role-playing game and an adventure game. So if we if we want to define our terms, we might could say that. Is this really true? Elle says, oh boy, Shauner angered more people than Garibay. Oh, did he say that on one of his recent streams? At I, D&D? I have no idea, but I can, I can understand. He's, he's yeah. basically calling everybody playing D&D stupid. <laughs> I know. I mean, oh, it's I weird. I mean, I get it. I call everybody on the, in the all the blue-haired idiots stupid. Yep. If you play, uh, they thirsty, deserve it. If you play thirsty sword lesbians, then I'm probably going to think you're dumb. So there you go. And fate is not my favorite, but that's no. just because I could. I think I like Joe. I think Joe would. I don't know, Joe. You played fate with a Dresden game one time when Jeff ran it at Cabin Con. I didn't really. I didn't right. really like it. This okay, is the I didn't thing. Oh, yeah. This is the thing. For me. Yeah. Um, not knowing that that's what the game was about made it really difficult to play. Ah. Um, so when we played Dresden, I was thinking I would do the same thing Dresden does. I will piss everybody off. Mm-hmm. Um, sometime, somehow contract a disease or get possessed or all these things that put all the chips against me, but then flip them on their ear and then use them as a uh, bonus, which is essentially what Dresden does in almost every book. He stacks all the dice against him and then uses it to his advantage somehow. Okay. But Um, there was, it's very hard to do that to um, not knowing Dresden was able to do that because one, he's the star of the book and, um, he knows the power players, not all of them. Uh, sometimes that he shot himself in the foot, not knowing things and just blundering into things and acting like a big thug. But in the the game that we had, we knew nothing. Yeah. 
right? You, there yeah. is a one shot. So it's that kind of a game for a one shot is really difficult. Yeah. Because. Oh, you think um, so? Sure. Unless you're familiar with the system, right? If you're yeah. familiar with the system and maybe you're familiar with enough with the setting, maybe. But not knowing either one very well and you're trying to, to learn the system and you're just thrown in the end of the, the deep end, it's really difficult to get uh, get a handle on it. Uh, yeah, I guess for me, it's one of those games, when I read the fate system, me and Jeff were fond of saying, it's the simplest, most confusing system I've ever read. Because again, and I, and I think I understand it, it's a give and take in a story form. You know, it's almost like the telephone game. Yeah, you're bargaining. You're bargaining. The I would whole rather time. not do that. Fair enough. Yeah. I would rather you tell me the scenario. I tell you what I want to do. And then you, it's kind of bargaining in a way, but much less so. Um, you have the scenario. I tell you what I'm going to do. And you say, this is what you need to do to succeed. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. That's instead of finagling. Right. Well, you finagle for fate chips and stuff like that, but I yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, mean get it. I get it. Did you do you like my arcane series of words that I just put together on the fly, or not? Maybe I stumbled all over the words, so I don't, I, I I'm not able to um, get chips out of you. So it's just weird. Huh. So, yeah, I, I think that's that's fair. Um, what's your current favorite? If, if I had to corner you, push into a corner and say, man, there's there's going to be a new game and they're going to use one of the systems that Joe likes. Or if there's going to be probably roll and keep. Oh, would it? You like probably. The yeah, I think so. If you had to really at right now, I think that's probably what I would do. Some sort of dice pool, like Max is saying, um, because I think it's it can be as swingy, probably, but it's. Um, I think you can make a better game around dice pools than just having bigger numbers, which is what, and maybe just we're so used to playing uh, D and D, um, having played all through the three five and Pathfinder eras, that big numbers seem less um, interesting, but a dice pool seems more interesting. It might just be perception, but that's what I, that's what I would do. Yeah, I guess for me, um, dice pool sounds fun, but I'm God. I just can't. I can't seem to break away from the target numbers. I like target numbers. Well, you can uh, still have target numbers with dice pools. Yeah, yeah, true. Um, and I love. The, I mean, that's what L five R does. It has a rolling keep, and then it has a whole. It has a whole range of it has a, a, a universal kind of standard um, target number chart. Yeah, I'm. I think I like I like target numbers. I like rolling a d twenty. But I get right now when, when you say dice pools, they are kind of fun. I've played a few dice pool games. I've not run too many. Uh, I do like them. Um, See with yeah. so with rolling a d twenty with target numbers to really. You've got fifth edition, which has weenie numbers. It's kind of, you know, bubble wrapped game. Mm -hmm. And then you have third edition, which has two big numbers. Mm -hmm. But and then you can you can go back to first and second edition, 
and that's fine because there weren't as nearly as many sources of bonuses. Sure. But it had a similar problem in that once you got to like double digit levels, the books themselves didn't provide the challenges. The DM had to come up with. That's true. That is true. So, right. So you could have to mishmash a couple of the different editions to get something better, or you just stay out of the higher levels, which a lot of people like to do. In 1E Pathfinder, I know, what was his name? Bruce is here. He might know. Who was the guy? James something was one of the top three or four guys at Paizo when 1E Pathfinder came out. And at some point around Bestiary 2 or 3, they ask him, do you just not make monsters for heels? How come we don't make more monsters to challenge higher level characters? Why do your adventure paths end at 15? He goes, there's really no monsters to challenge characters higher than 15. He literally, not Sutter. No, that's not it, Bruce. Uh, James Jacobs. James Jacobs. James Jacobs. He may not be there anymore. Um, and so anyway, he would. He said that it really was not something they'd ever done. And it kind of makes me a little annoyed because the game has levels 16 through 20. So... Hmm. Hey, um, El Fasa, Fasa, didn't they make Tor, that game Tor, years Torg? ago? Torg? Torque. Torg or Torque? Torg. Yes. Was that Fasa? Torg. Yeah. That would be interesting to know. They also did Shadowrun, I believe. At least that's what they're arguing about in the in the chat. Something about oh. Shadowrun. So, <laughs> that one I weren't right. Shadowrun people. Oh. <laughs> Apparently, Bruce Lombardo, welcome. <laughs> yeah, um, he's been here for a bit. He's been here for a little bit, but yeah. uh, apparently, Bruce does not like James Jacobs as an author ah. and says so in his comment here. Yes. He's okay on game theory, but he hates a lot of things that are endemic to the traditional fantasy. Uh, that's fair, but I, I know that was his comment. A uh, West End game says Bruce. Ah. That's the one that did Torg, and that's okay. been remade too. So, ooh, T-shirt has the box. That's a game I've always wanted to get into because they got all these. Uh, what do they call it? Not the night. Some kind of knights who travel around the world and do all kind and travel different planes of existence. It was very. It felt very. Uh, almost planescapey to me um, in the sense that you're traveling planes all the time, different realities. But what do they call them? Anyway, it doesn't matter. Yeah, he hated dwarves in Pathfinder. I know that's weird, Bruce. I don't Were they crusaders? Uh, no, your characters are like, are you called knights of some sort t-shirt? What, what's the name of the characters? They play... Was it an organization they all belong to? I think or so. They... And you can have different... I, I have never... I don't ever own the books. Storm Knights. Storm Knights. Thank you. Yeah. And thanks, L. That's correct. Um, Ulysses Spiel now does Torg, and they made a new alternative. Yeah. Um, it uses the D20 for everything, which is pretty cool. Um, I guess my favorite is probably D20 target number, but dice pools. You guys do make them sound tasty. So I probably could be uh, inclined to do that. Um, ah, Torg is an edited version of Rift, says Bruce, without the masculine. <laughs> Mescaline. Mescaline. Do you mean mescaline required? Mes- not not masculine. Mescaline, which is drugs. Oh, okay. For sorting we'll out. for sorting out the mess between Kevin Sambita and CJ. CJ Corella. Don't know him. Is that one of his one of the early guys? Early um, early wrist guys. 
Yeah. I, I'm not familiar with that name. I am reading uh, a Riffs novel in preparation of our game. Our game is going to be switching to Riffs before long. We're going to be playing the original system. I'm going to be playing, I'm supposed to be playing on December 2nd with uh, Legion. Um, I'm going to get my little little taste of, as a player on um, playing Riffs, and then I'm going to run my boys through the old school Riffs games for a while. It's, oh, you're going to do some online play? Yeah, one night. I think it's a one shot. Uh, Legion might chime in here. I need to check my Discord. I checked it last night. Me and the guy who's running it had a little talk, and then I had some issues last week. Um, I need to get my character made. I need to do some studying. It didn't look too hard to make a character. So once I know the rules, I think we're playing. I'm leaning toward a cyborg type dude, or I may play a, a juicer if that's an option. So we'll see. Um, yeah, yeah so I remember reading about Torg. Yeah. In Dragon Magazine years ago. And if I'm, if, if, tell me if I'm remembering a different game and calling it Torg. Yeah. It has a similar thing with um, with um, Shadowrun in that there was something that's Earth and there's some sort of awakening. And then um, the forest in uh, North America grows wildly like overnight. And overtakes like the middle all the whole middle of the united states mm-hmm. and uh that's basically what i remember reading but uh if that's not part of the the lore of torg let me know and i'm probably remembering a different game i'm looking at torg eternity core core rules 3830 the possibility wars begin anew Raiders from other realities have arrived on Earth and where they rule the laws of physics warp to form strange new landscapes. You play Storm Knights, defenders with the power to bend the fabric of reality who resist the invading High Lords at every turn. Uh, okay, so I'm sounds very something riff- else. It sounds very riff-like. Yeah. Still, um, I mean, we need to get we need to pick up a copy. Maybe I should go um go um Bogart t shirts uh t shirted historians copy. Yeah, he should send that. I don't know where he lives. <laughs> oh, dang it. Bummer. Yeah. Oh, David's in the house. Mr. Guile, I have got your uh, PDF of Dungeon Delver's uh, D20, and I'm getting the hard copy in the mail. I am reading it voraciously, and I am loving it, sir. It is a very cool game. I should look at the dice pool. I have that as a PDF as well. So I, I need to compare that to the dice pool version. So it didn't seem as thick. I need I need to grab a hard copy of that too. You do. So when I get it, we'll show it off and see how our POD is doing. Um, After I've upgraded my PC. Yeah. Anything else we want to talk about with attributes? We kind of named our favorites and we hit uh, the highlights of a lot of the. I mean, we had a, quite a discussion here with everybody. I don't know if there's something else you want to talk about. Uh, yes, thanks to you, Bruce. I finally, when I saw some of your reviews, Bruce says Dungeons and Delvers is effing quality. Uh, you have been reviewing it, um, and uh, you got me to reminded me watching your little reviews um, to uh, go ahead and buy it. Uh, David Gal says Dice Pool is really different. Um, um, Anyway, so I will have to check that one out, too. I'll compare it once I'm done with the other one. I think the one he currently has is a nice mesh of, I was telling Joe earlier, it feels like he's pulled things from 3rd edition, 5th edition, and then he's tried to keep it old-school flavor, but more modern. Yeah, that old-school flavor of um, Deadly uh, deadly Encounters, um, and, I mean, that's that's the, the thing that new games, the new game um, aesthetic lacks is that 
the adventuring life is dangerous. Um, a lot of the, the games these days have too many um, handrails, too many um, safety nets, ways to avoid um, the consequences of making bad decisions. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Bruce and I are agreeing on uh, non-fans of Shadowrun, but it's just me. I'm probably just not a huge fan of it. Um, I like Shadowrun. Like a lot of games, I like Shadow. I like their uh, Shadowrun's um, um, setting. Like Rifts, I like the Rift setting. Patrick's Sometimes I don't like all the rules. Patrick's DM me once. He's great on describing the setting. I, the whole world, it felt like it was coming alive. He did a great job. But I had, I got so hung up on. I was the, the Decker, and I felt like I was playing a separate game from everybody else. Because you are. Yeah, and I just didn't care for that. Um, and some of the dice mechanics, I played the, the newest version. I think it's the newest version at one of our local game stores. And the guy that ran it didn't know it very well, and it seemed kind of clunky. Um, but the, the flavor, the setting, yeah, I think it could be cool. I would much rather play Shadowrun with Savage Worlds rules than just Shadowrun as written. That would be my preference, because I like the setting. So, Right. But um, I think I think our biggest takeaway is um, just like every part of our, our our hobby, the attributes of a system. I don't think you can say that a particular attribute setup is inherently good or bad. It's a matter of taste. Yeah, um, I, I would say the three stat systems I don't ne- necessarily care for because there's not a whole lot there. But the uh, um, it's all a matter of taste, and we can argue about what's good or bad, and that's that's what makes good conversations, I think. We so. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that is fun. We all have our own opinions. Um, shall we move into? You want to tell people what to do stuff here before we move into the next segment, or do you feel like we've got more to well, talk? I want to I want to um, address the um, oh. T-shirt historian says that biggest geek is telling me about it. I ran Hyperborea last week, and the players were pissed at me because they felt I threw too many enemies at them. Wah. Killed one and captured the other two PCs. Oh, okay, about the deadliness. Right, right. And that's the way it should be. Cry you a river. Shut up and love it. Mm-hmm. Maybe they should have ran. My current campaign. Ask Martinson how the current campaign went first in first encounter. Oh boy. I killed two characters. Guess what I said? Get the dice out and roll them up, brother. It's called old school. Suck it. And you know you know what? <laughs> we players didn't complain. No. Randy was worried that he was, was uh Randy was yeah. the worried one, not the rest of us. I'm talking a little crap. Honestly, I was more worried for uh Martinson and my other buddy, Mr. Larry Elliott, who's not here tonight. I smoked them both with poisonous snakes. Uh, were you first level characters? Did we start first level? I think we did. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah, like, the, the the previous thing we started at third, but three no, hit we points, started first. Three hit point, two hit point snakes, and you could just step on them and kill them. But if they hit you, it was <laughs> dead, dude. And I'm like 18, 27. <laughs> it's like boom. Oh yeah. I think Martin didn't get to attack once. Then he get to roll his dice. He right, right. Right. was dead. He was pretty well, pretty smooth. Should roll better for your initiative. Anyway. Dangerous world, Proto Vagans. Oh well, I guess it was good group initiative, so yeah, it, was, it probably wasn't his fault. No, it was um, not his fault. Nah. 
Um, I guess one last thing is for attributes. If you guys have a favorite attribute system, I know some folks here in the chat indicated yeah. one way or another what they yeah. liked. But I still see um, let us know in the comments what you think about attribute systems and what uh, you think is the preferable one and why. Then we can have more discussions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And with that, I will say, oh, where is where is you where is you at? Right there. Yeah. Subscribe. Do it. Like. Yes. Love like. It. Subscribe. Follow. Share. Comment. Do all the things that help out the algorithm. If they do, who knows? These days, sometimes they help. Sometimes they don't. Or don't they don't seem to. You ask, you ask some people, that's what you got to do. And you ask other people and it doesn't matter, mm -hmm. but please do all those things. We, it lets us know whether people are even paying attention besides the folks in chat. Um, what is Bruce saying? I love how Randy is doing the Jeremy Clarkson memes. I don't know Jeremy Clarkson. Oh no. Anyway. Um, yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm probably not consciously doing it. I might be channeling him somehow, but I don't even know the dude. Okay, you probably have seen this maybe online. It's oh. this dude with some white white curly hair. Mm -hmm. He goes, "Oh no!" Anyway, <laughs> it's a little it's a little meme on oh, okay. that people use on the internet when they're like, "Whatever." <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh well, he's in top. He's a Top Gear guy. Okay, right. would you really T-shirt? He says he would get salty if he died in a Rifts game. Takes two hours to build a character and two rounds to die. Dude, I'm feeling like that game's like begging for instant death. Seems just the setting. I know. Talk about deadly, man. Turn a corner and you're fighting no Splugorth and all her little all his minions and stuff. That sounds dangerous. Ah, uh, so yes, it's a. I didn't know where that guy was from. I've just seen the the. the yeah, okay. I mean, I'll the check it out because if uh, if I'm channeling him, I should know exactly who he is. That way, I can do it again. All right. So we go to the second the second segment. We are going to uh, bring up this idea of is it all, is it really all that is cracked up to be? Wherein we do a retro review of something from the old days. In this case, we're going to do a movie called Fright Night. We've mostly done movies in this. In this segment, we're going to look at both the 1985 and the 2000, not 11, 2000. Was it? I think that's wrong. I think it's is it 2011. Is that right? Let me check my links. Here. Oh, I didn't. I didn't. Um, I didn't look at that. Uh, well, it was before. It's 2011. Yeah, that's right. It was, it was before dude. It was before the dude died. Um, yeah. So. Um, yeah, so we watched them both. Um, I watched mine about two weeks ago. Joe watched them, watched them this week. I I only got in like 40 minutes of the newer version. I was like, yeah. I'm done. I'm, I'm going to say you didn't miss much. Me and Martinson watched them both together. I do love uh, Fright Night. The original, God, it served us so well. Um, mm -hmm. Starring, oh, who's the vampire? I'm blanking now. Chris Sarandon. Chris Sarandon and Roddy McDowell is the vampire hunter slash actor. I think it's gotten Vincent. some great. Peter Vincent. Peter Vincent. Very funny stuff. We used a lot of the cracks sort of at the, um, especially the part where he goes, you have to have faith for that to work on me. I would do that all the time with my monsters and they would try something. Um, 
absolutely love the original Fright Night. Um, I think, I think it's a bit it's campy, but I think there were times it was serious. I thought Chris Sarandon was great at being kind of uh, kind of a scary vampire because he was he was super smooth, he was very suave. Um, then at times he could be terrifying. Just mm-hmm. look. he would look at Brewster, uh, the main protagonist, sometimes and just like. Boy, I'm gonna rip your face off, and he could do it with just a look. Um, hey, Ryan, Aqualith Media, glad you're in. Um, so, in the first one, in the original, right, Brewster lives next door to this guy. This vampire guy moves in. Oh, oh, spoilers for yes, these are old movies, <laughs> so we're going to talk about them. If you don't want to hear about movies, you think you're going to watch. Um, Skip ahead. Yeah, so Brewster is, um, he's kind of making out with his girlfriend in, in the bedroom, and he looks out the window, and he sees this guy um, moving in. Uh, that would be Christopher Sarandon. And he's carrying a coffin into his basement late at night. So he's also at the same time watching a movie like a, uh, what I would call, we had like Fright Night Theater we used to have back in the day. And it was Peter Vincent, who was Roddy McDowell, playing an actor who basically does vampire tales. And I just thought... It was um, so good, so funny. Uh, back in the 80s, I absolutely loved it. Even now, I look back on it very fondly, and I can't help but enjoy it. I'll, if it's on, I'll sit and watch it. I won't, uh, I won't turn it off. So it's, it's a really fun movie to watch. Um, he ends up trying to pr- convince everybody that he lives next door to a vampire. Of course, he, he, he can't because no one wants to believe him until it's too late. And then him and his friends end up facing off against the vampire. He has to convince Peter Vincent that he's a local actor at the local TV station that he needs to help him defeat the vampire, even though Vincent's just an actor. And it ends up being there's a lot of cool moments. And it's uh, I thought it was an excellent movie. I did give it a seven out of ten, but that's only because I think I'm looking back with rose colored glasses. Nope. Nope. It's just the greatness that is us. Happy accident. I think Joe just pulled a little psionic action and planted a thought, and we're wearing the same shirt. So, yeah, this is one of the I – mean, I need to wear more of the others because I've got so many of them. We need to show them all off. So Patrick uh, does the – This one is so comfy. Yeah. Um, what did you think of the original? So how, how would you talk about it? What would you say? Those- I, I, lo- I love that movie. Um, I think that they had a lot of B – uh, great actors in it, except for Roddy McDowell, who was a A-list actor in his heyday. I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure something close to that, and he's put way past his prime in this. But uh, if you pay attention, he's got the best scenes, especially the one where uh, when he uh, when he um, gets Ed, who's turned into a wolf, yes, and jumps on him, and he he stabs him with a. Uh, uh, part of the banister that has been broken. Yes. And when he's watching him die, he really pulls off how he's conflicted about Ed being a kid and dying. Tears still, eyes. Yeah, it was real. He did a great job. That's probably he, the probably the best scene in the entire movie. Yeah. Did you think, though, I thought maybe the wolf, because when, when I was in his wolf form, I thought he was trying to use vampire charm on him a little bit because he started reaching toward, because if he had pulled the, the stage more, I, I just thought, I just thought it was more like, it was all sympathy. Cause no, I thought he was kind of, I thought Roddy was kind of reaching for the, 
reaching to help him, and then he kind of pulled back because he didn't want to get yeah. hit. I thought maybe he was using a little vampire char- last-minute charm um, on him. I think he was desperate and wanted help. That's what. That's the way it, he, it came off to me and it came across to me. Okay, but, fair um, but to me, that's the bet. my favorite scene. It's really great. The special effects are kind of, you know, of the time. Very dated. Some of them are good. Some of them are not so good. Um, so don't watch it for I, I, special effects. Don't. No, 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 no. But it's a, it's a fun vampire movie. Yeah. Um, it's a little offbeat. So it's not, it's really not anything like current vampire tales where it's generally lots of angst and uh, woe is the vampire oh, um, and all of that. No, no. The vampire's the bad guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Josh made a good point. Said, uh, Martinson, the girlfriend is Marcy from Married with Children. Yep. True. Yes, that is the case. Well, how would you rate uh, that one then? What would you give it out of 10? Probably seven or eight, like you said. Yeah. Um, What about the 2011 one? I'll let you go first. It stunk. (laughs) You didn't make it all the way through it. Okay. Okay. So... They subverted nearly every bit. This was only Fright Night superficially. And so when when a movie is a remake and they're trying to um, let's just they're trying to communicate that this is just a maybe just a slight retelling, and then they they just completely do a different take on it. Um, It's kind of too jarring for me. I don't. I don't care for it um, because to me it seems like nostalgia bait instead of some kind of honest um, retelling. Um, yeah. They. They. It, so it's a little more modern, but only by ten years, twenty. Almost, no, no, twenty eleven. So almost thirty. Almost thirty. Thirty years. Yeah. But um, it's all. It's all subverted. The whole. Yeah. Whole. Whole thing. Now I don't even think. Um, um, what's his name? The vampire again? I forgot his name already. Colin Farrell or Chris Randon? No, the vampire character. Oh, the character's name. Well, anyway, in the first movie, Dandridge. he had a body of Dandridge. Yeah, Dandridge. Jerry. Jerry Dandridge. Jerry. Um, in the first movie, he had a bodyguard because vampires need bodyguards to, for the when they sleepy. Yeah. This one didn't have one. No. Um, plus. Chris Sarandon's Jerry was suave, but tough when he needed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, Colin Farrell was kind of just a psychopath. Yeah, Martinson's Martinson calling him DJ. So, okay. Is that the vampire's name, Martinson, in the new movie? I wouldn't be shocked. Switch on Dandridge Jerry. I don't know. doesn't matter. But yeah, Colin Farrell was just kind of a... Yeah, I I just think it was very interesting. I don't know. I don't he was know a, was. And like when there was the scene where he um he was at the uh, back door to the kitchen mm-hmm. right after um um the main character figures out that he's a vampire because he he gets Eddie's um um evidence instead of. The other movie where he sees it himself, he has to get evidence from Eddie. Um, And um, the way he acts at the back door 
is just it's very odd. Yeah. So he just seems the character. I don't know if he, I don't know what kind of direction he got. Uh, play a psychopath or a weirdo was about yeah. the extent that I thought his character was. And um, Peter Vincent. Yeah. Way over the top as a phony. I mean, well, yeah. Peter Vincent in the original movie was a phony only in so much as if you thought vampires were real and he just portrayed himself as a vampire killer, but you knew he was an actor. So kind of fake that way. Maybe. Interestingly enough, the character that was the was the Peter Vincent in the new one, he actually had an experience with vampires when he was young. You, you probably didn't watch it that far. He no, actually, I, like I said, he, 40 minutes. He in. knew they existed, which is why oh. his magic show was so... You know, he 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 knew what he collected all these uh, different artifacts. So that part was kind of interesting, uh, but it was a little. It was just so much darker. It was less fun. They tried to be funny. The poor guy who played Chekhov in the newer Star Trek's. That remember he the actor died, had passed away. He was Brewster. Uh, one thing mm-hmm. that bugged me about the movie was like at the beginning, I said Brewster and his girlfriend were kind of making out, and Brewster was kind of pushing her to the limits, right, trying to get in her shirt and stuff. In the new one, it was the other way around. His girlfriend's trying to jump him. And I mean, I, I guess that's a thing, but I just, I don't know. That kind of felt weird. You're just trying to, um, I don't You're know. You're just switching things around just so you, things around you can. Just, um, and Evil Ed was a was an okay actor, not nearly as funny as the original and quirky. And I don't know. It was, just wasn't. Um, he got killed left, right away. Yeah. It left a lot to be desired. Um, I only gave it a four. And they did a lot more with the school. Which I was like, I don't care. Yeah, yeah. The movie, the movie's not about their school experience. No. It was really a back backdrop in the original movie. Um, had a bunch of people in there. Well, not a bunch. They had se- several classmates that were inconsequential. Two of them that got killed. At least two of them. The two that were in the car spying. Yes. They both yeah. got killed. Killed. Yeah. Well, actually, one of them lived. If you had stayed and watched the whole thing, he was down under the house. There was a lot of people he had turned, about five or six of them, and they ended up uh, coming back. Um, oh, uh, Martinson's clarifying. Chris Sarana was in the new one. He was the victim that was killed on the road, and his name was DJ, a callback to the original. Okay, yeah. Uh, Chris Sarana did show up as a driver during one scene that the vampire pulled him out and killed him. Um, yeah, I mean, that kind of, that kind of like trying to hit you in the feels. It was kind of oh, cool. There he is. But that's kind of all it was. As its own vampire tale, it may have been good. But calling it Fright Night um, and then it only having some superficial resemblance kind of uh, ruined it for me. That's kind of what they do with uh, all the, you know, all the uh, new movies that come out and the the wokitude that's been completely corrupting all the Marvel and DC movies. You know, there's only, only you know, uh, characters in name only, you know, they're nothing like Namur. Namur. Right. So they've been really kind of doing this for a long time. I wouldn't call the newer, um, the newer uh, Fright Night woke or anything, no. but it's it's to- it's a total departure from the the earlier one, um, which is what people do. They've been doing for a long time. Yeah, it's like you know, I think this guy named Disparu who I listened to on YouTube. He does his recent, you should check his recent video on canon um, and how a lot of the modern writers, and he's, he connects it to Rings of Power and some of the others. Um, I think, I think they're, they're bereft of talent and they're just trying to look at this cool twist. 
Okay, and I need to check my Discord. I'll get that up here in a second. Yeah, so overall, how, what would you give it? Would you say it was as a movie there? I would one. <laughs> you give it a one, huh? Oh, I didn't, I couldn't, I, it just wasn't worth it. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, looking at my Discord, Bruce, I'm not seeing. Uh, I have to say, though, I ha- I can't remember a movie that Colin Farrell was in that I've liked. Really? Okay. I can't remember too many. There was he was bullseye, but I did not really like that Daredevil movie. Uh well, yeah, that's not the greatest. Um, I am trying to find what is it under the biggest geekest links there uh, in Discord? Is that where I'm looking? Okay, I'm just not very proficient, dude. I'm sorry. Okay, so. I'm going to stop. Bruce, I'll do it later, dude. I just, I'm not very proficient with that. <laughs> oh, did it? Did T-shirt's got to Did you see it? No, oh, no. T-shirt. Um, so uh, there is a, is it a YouTube? It's a, a video called You're So Cool, Brewster, the story of Fright Night. Where did you find oh. that at? It's in, it's on, the, it's in the hour, the Biggest Geekest Discord. Okay. In the YouTube section. Okay. Thank you. Yes. Got it, bro. Thanks, Bruce. Yes, sir. I, I got to become proficient in that thing. T-shirt's got a good one. <laughs> At Biggest Geek is, hey, don't you make fun of Namor. Finally, I can see myself as a genocidal amphibian mutant with some stuff through his nose. Don't you make me swim to the surface and give you what for? Hey, dude, I'll just put on a black suit and eat some, like, crazy flower and i'll be awesome i'll be, a, I'll be well you're still much so better what is this I'll about win. namor did you say oh. something about namor oh yeah namor gets he gets trashed he's not even atlantean in the movie it's ridiculous the new black wakanda forever let's not go down oh. that's that's utter utter dog dog poop and we're not supposed to watch it no we're supposed watch. to buy a ticket and give it to a black person yes yeah i, I I actually did that with mine. I just bought a ticket and found some random black dude. Go watch this. It's your movie. It's not for me. So, all right. Well, I think that's all I want to say about Fright Night. Ghost yeah, Fright Night. Night. The original Fright Night is worth a watch if you haven't seen it. The yeah. other one, we can ignore. I would completely skip the 2011 one. No interest whatsoever. was not good. Watched it with Martinson out of duty. And uh, so... But it was duty. <laughs> I would I would um, ask if anybody knows a Colin Farrell movie that's worth watching. I can't. I nothing know. comes to mind, but I don't remember a lot of movies when I get put on the spot. So yeah, I don't know about Colin Farrell. So yes, in the in the comments, if someone can can uh, think of a Colin Farrell movie that's worth watching, uh, please let me know because I can't think of one. I feel like I've seen him in uh, in a good movie before. <laughs> now, he's probably been in a. Where he's not the star, he's a, he's a, yeah, in a Miami Vice. <laughs> I couldn't understand why they made that movie. Yeah, because I mean Miami Vice was okay, but I didn't see it. It wasn't really. I don't think it was worth making a movie about. He was the penguin in the Batman. He actually did a good job in that. The I Batman haven't seen. Was not that. great. Um. Uh, the Batman. The Batman. Correct. He was Bullseye, and that was a horrible movie. I don't know how to compare him to Bullseye in the comics, yeah. so I don't know. 
But uh, I know in the comics, Bullseye um, bashed his face against a brick wall so he could use his teeth as <laughs> his broken teeth as projectiles. Wow. <laughs> oh, blooded. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, okay. Here, here, here. Bruce Lombardo says, a biggest geek is uh, Miami Vice was made because Michael Mann, uh, the original Miami Vice co-creator, right, right, yeah. uh, wanted another mortgage payment. <laughs> That's probably all he got out of it. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's pretty dull. Martinson says he's in the newer Total Recall. That okay, was, we, we, we still haven't found a movie I like. That was dull, yeah. He was not, he's not really been in good movies, I guess. I okay, I have to be honest though. I didn't watch the new Total Recall because I have mm -hmm. no reason. There's no reason to remake Total Recall. Total Recall wasn't that good the first time through. It, but it was it was a nice campy movie. But that's about mm -hmm. it. Yeah. What what why make why why remake Total Recall? Yeah, good point. Okay. All right. Thanks for some heads up. I for, I'd forgotten about that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know he was Hauser. Hauser. He's not even a good replacement for Hauser. No, he's not. Oh, L. He chased Tom Cruise in Minority Report. That was a good movie. I okay. Okay. I stand corrected. Thank you, L. <laughs> he was in a good movie. Whether okay. he was good or not, we don't know. Well. Good. I'm hard on movies. Sorry. I, know. I like Minority Report. I would give it, was it all right. I would give it a six or a seven. It was good. Alexander was about the best film he was in. Alexander was the name of the movie. Yeah, Alexander the uh, Great. Yeah. He was completely outclassed by every other actor in that sleaze vest. Yeah. That's that's a low bar. Yeah. But yeah. Fair enough. Okay. All right. So you got a question for the chat don't you joe yes and hopefully hopefully pat's still hanging around yeah be good because it might have even been a good idea to try to get him in on this but yeah. um so um over the last couple of days on twitter um well how about i do this um the red room has released a new a new um product um, or ah, I can't really say they released a new product, really. They made a product of theirs free. Uh, let me get this put up on the screen. Uh, where are we at? Where is this at? Patrick's got, he's just interested in Patrick's opinion because he's an artiste. Artiste, anybody, and David, uh, David, if he's hanging around too. Um, so they have a um, the Red Room has a product called Sexual Holocaust, which was uh, denied um, being put up on um, Drive Through RPG, but we have it over on on the Big Geek Emporium. They've made it free, yeah, and they put a new cover on it, which has AI. General uh, AI, um, how do they put it? AI generated art. So they, um, which is de it's a decent looking cover. Mm -hmm. um, 
Somebody replied to this, though, saying, you lost me at AI-generated art. <laughs> and, um, I mean, you don't buy a game necessarily for the cover art. Yes, David. <laughs> Agreed. It's shocking. It's shocking. It's shocking. It has the word sexual and uh, the hated word holocaust. Holocaust. So, decent looking art. Yeah, like and, the monster game. Yeah, yeah. So if you're not from, if you're not um, up to speed on on AI generated art, it's essentially there's some software packages out there, and you give it a prompt such as uh, medieval knight great sword, something like that, and it gives you uh, some output. Um, there's probably a little bit more to that, but that's the basic gist. And um, there are people who are very um, against this. Some tinfoil hat folks who don't want you to train the AI because the AI is going to rule everything, and the more you teach it, the worse it will be for us. Um, um, which the toothpaste is out of the tube. So uh, it you can either use a tool or not. Um, I know some people will say something like you're taking money, the food off the table of artists because you're an artist. What's your thoughts? What are That's, your thoughts? Where do I fit in? You're an artist. What do you think of AI generated art? Oh, sorry. So I, I guess I just wanted this as a, a back and forth with the chat, what do you guys think about AI generated art uh, per se? Because some folks are really against it being in RPG material. Some folks, I, mean, I think, I, I think at drive through, uh, they have a rule saying that you have to disclose your AI generated art. What? Who cares? Right. Who right. cares? I mean, you mean you probably shouldn't claim it to be yours, right? You have to give credit to something else. Do you have to do that? Right. If you're using somebody else's art, you have to give them credit, right? And they, you may have to pay them depending on what kind of license they have with regard to their art. But even the you AI can't just, you can't just use somebody else's art. AI generated art, you can just make it and do it. I mean, I think Martinson's got the right of it. Some's good, some's crap. Yeah, yeah. Because I sometimes care. I saw one where the the hands they had like 10, 10 fingers, twenty fingers each. Yeah. I mean, I personally don't care. I don't know if you'll get all mad about it. I mean, as long as you're not stealing somebody's stuff. Right. I mean, I can understand why someone would use it uh, to cut costs because um, art is expensive. And if they're trying to get their brand off off the ground, they might use AI generated art um, as a way so that they can have have a nice cover. Um, it doesn't do everything like the, the text that you see there. Uh, apparently, AI generated art doesn't do text, uh, the text overlays very well. Mm -hmm. Oh, David Kyle says he's against it in general. Um, interesting. He said he more than 200 character comments. What's Patrick saying? I'm not opposed to it. I have enough people that bitch about my art being too cartoony. The AI art is more realistic and people still bitch. I think people are just going to bitch for the rest of the sake of it. True. Um, I, I was listening to a podcast and, um, a um, podcast for writers mm -hmm. and uh, a fellow on there, they were interviewing, he was talking about AI, AI generated art. He wrote a book about prompts and how to, how to make best use of it. And he thinks a, gr a good use of it is to, to um, 
shorten the development time for art. Oh. And um, the way that would work is um, an author could use the um, prop system for these AI programs, get something together that looks close to what he wants for the cover of his book. And then he sends that to an artist and so, so that they have less back and forth. So, and the authors that he was talking to say, uh, they, they agreed that it could um, mitigate some of that back and forth time. T-shirt says, check your DMs on Twitter. He might have some comments. So, and Dar says he believes, Darth Theak, I believe there are some issues with copyright. I wondered about that due to pulling from existing art, who gets credit? That would sound tricky. But as long as you say, hey, I pulled from this base picture, I would think it would be okay. I mean, if you're if they're if they're putting their if their art is up for that option, or if you got to pay them or whatever, I just don't see that why you would hate it just on its on its own. Uh, what are you saying, Patrick? Hell, Randy, I'm pretty sure people are going to tell you that you lost them at the art. No, they're not. They're going to say that's an awesome piece of art. Patrick is doing the art for my adventure, and it's going to be boss. Um, L says, so AI art is storyboard, not storyboard so much as, um, the author generating the concept for his, the cover of his book. And then the, because that way there's less back and forth between, it, uh, the cover uh, artist and the author in that. Sometimes I, I imagine authors don't really have much say depending on on how they publish their book. Oh, I didn't know, Darth. He says it's pulling from hundreds of pictures. Oh, I'm not sure how that works. Yeah, do that, David. He says his is not a hate thing. David doesn't like it for some reasons. Oh, wrong one. Dang, you guys are coming in fast. David Gall says, for me, it's not a hate thing. I can email my thoughts later. That would be interesting to know, yeah. Yes, Bruce says, remind me to buy everyone from Red Room so everything probably is what you meant. Every everyone from Red Room when I get my thousands of dollars from YouTube, ha ha. Yeah, yeah. They're prolific as heck. Oh sure, they had the last count was thirty five ish. They're probably up to over forty products at this point. Uh, let me share this thing that T shirt had shared with me. Sure. So, for those in the audio, you've got a game table with some very um, um, car uh, caricatures of people, <laughs> we'll say. <laughs> I'm not sure how I, I – what I'll try to do is uh, put this image in the um, – In, maybe not in the show notes. Maybe I'll put it up on the the website if I can get this uh, get the show notes up on the Big Geek uh, podcast uh, webpage. There you go. Um, I might even be able to. Um, I don't know. I don't think I can embed this in the YouTube um, description. That would be cool if I could. But essentially, it's a it has all of the tropes: uh, selfish min maxers. Innocent DMs, uh, innocent DMs, and uninvested players, horny cosplay posers. <laughs> uh, they say, "Is it my turn yet? I want to seduce the big bad evil guy's corpse." Jeez! Oh, and it has Gary Gygax looking down from nerd heaven with, <laughs> with a sad looking face. 
<laughs> the uninvested player says, ha, 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 sucks to suck. <laughs> the innocent DM says, another first round kill. I worked on this encounter all week. <laughs> the min-maxer says, I hit him with my greatsword, then extra attack, action surge, attack twice more, all with an advantage and divine smite. <laughs> right. Yeah. So is this, I don't think this is um, AI generated though, right? This is just some funny thing that T-shirted wanted to share, I guess. But that's pretty cool. All right. So, yeah, I was just, I saw that on Twitter and I thought I would ask our crew here what they thought of AI generated art because uh, I don't necessarily see a huge problem with it. Um, I know, like I said earlier, some people will complain that artists might lose money because folks will do this and they will rail against the the automation of things. Automation is going to kill all the jobs. I mean, it's possible, but um, some people's art styles are what uh, attract people to either buy a book or buy some other thing. Ooh, what's that? Doc Belmont had an announcement. Oh, did he? Where? I don't know. I just saw, I get, it's a Discord thing. Okay. And it said Doc Belmont announcement. Oh. And Patrick's right here. Yeah, you're announcing something, Patrick. Okay, that's cool. All right. Yeah, I don't see where, I don't see where it ended up at. Anyway. Okay. Okay, so. Shall we slide into random geekitude and try to wrap this puppy up? Yeah, go ahead. All right, so I just want to talk about, first, except from the bottom up here, uh, this link here that Martinson shared with me, I'm sure everybody is just going to be utterly thrilled with this, but I I think it's it's still kind of interesting. I, I think most of us would say, I wouldn't play D&D um, as therapy. That would not be my plan. Uh, but this therapist does that at her job. She uses it. I think you could. I don't think D&D is, um, is necessary. It's not a game that you, you should be playing for therapy um, without anybody else knowing it and then getting mad if it doesn't work the way you want. Mm -hmm. But I have no issues with what she says in here about how she thinks about it. It's a little uh, – she seems to have gamed for a while and is kind of into it. Um, I don't want to go too far into this article. It's not that exciting. But this Dr. Megan does use it. And I say, that's fine if you want to. I would not um, – I mean, I'm not a therapist. I don't know what I would do. I guess I wouldn't mind it if I could if I could marry my hobby with my job sometimes. That might not be bad. I might get tired of it. But, yeah. So. Yeah. Um, it's a game. If a therapist wants to use it as a tool in in their in their setting, they they are in control. It's a controlled setting for them. Mm -hmm. Then that's fine. But at a, at a random game table, that's a bad idea. Yeah, don't be trying to say we're doing this for therapy. And there was a guy that I used to listen to. There was a podcast. It's ended now. It was mostly a savage world. This guy would call in. He talked about it. And he was Australia. How he used it 
for his therapy. Uh, he used it for helping uh, at-risk teenagers learn how to deal with, you know, people. And that was uh, pretty good. Um, so I think um, it's fine if you want to do it, but it's not something you should say D&D should be therapeutic. Like I think a certain guy we know that shall not be named would say that's probably a thing that he thinks it's for. Um, uh, so, but anyway, did we have any? Oh, okay. I, I will say this. Any sort of group activity can be therapeutic if you're if you're having a hard time. We are social creatures for the most part. There are exceptions, but humans are social creatures. Um, having contact with other people can help us get over the hump on um, if we're in a slump or if we're feeling down. It can help us get our mind off of our troubles and maybe help us think through things. But that, that is um, a side effect of having a social life. Mm -hmm. It's not the, it's not necessarily the purpose of a social life, right? but it, it happens as a side effect. Right. It's, good that, it's good that we hang out because it helps us out. Mm -hmm. But D&D but specifically itself is not supposed to be therapy. But it can have a therapeutic-like effect, if you want to call it that. Um, so Doc Belmont, or Pat, had um, shared some art with us in, um, in Discord. So I wanted to, let me see if I can make that bigger. Yeah, there we go. I made it big. Cool. Oh, there. Let's see it. Present it to us, Present. Joe. It's oh. funny. It says present in one spot and then share in another spot. It's so silly. Yeah, dude. That's a little sneak peek of what's going to be coming in my adventure. Yeah. That's cool. I like that. That is good. And he That's good. That. Yeah. And, you know, everybody has their style. And if and if Pat's style, can, some people will call it cartoony. If that's what it is, that's what it is. It's a certain style, and it's good. So, yeah, that's what I think about that therapy crap. So did you want to uh, go into some um, big geek? Um, yeah, some reports. reports. So, John, um Okay, don't in a hurry. I am working on tabletop events. I have uh, been in contact with uh, David Guile. He's helped me out. I've been in contact with Avenger. I'm going to pick his brain for some things. I'm just about ready to pull the trigger on the date. I don't think I'm going to announce it today, Joe, but I do have a date. Joe knows that there's one that's very likely to happen. Um the Sheraton in Saginaw is where it's going to be. I'm going to put a down payment on that very soon. And then I hope within the next week or two, I will definitely have a tabletop events page up where you can buy your badges and show up. We're going to start out with a two-day event, Friday and Saturday, and uh, see how that goes. Um, that's really all that I've got right now because I'm still chatting with Venture about how to set it up. Um. Uh, L asks, did Ten Car contact me? Uh, no. Was he supposed to? Yeah, I don't know. Um, it's possible that he contacted me with an email and it went to the junk file. Mm -hmm. Actually, you know, sometimes that happens, but yeah. 
He didn't on Discord that I saw. Let me see. And Patrick's you article know, is an update on Big Geek uh, Adventures. Uh, somebody uh, Substack. But uh, uh, do you know why? Uh, do you, did he say he was going to contact me? I mean, yeah. And if he did, did he say how? <laughs> but I don't have any DMs from him in Discord or. Uh, well, let me check MeWe. Yeah, he's on MeWe. He cars on MeWe. I was in there earlier mm-hmm. and didn't see any any DMs from anybody. So I don't have any any DMs or email from him. So, no. Yeah, has not. As no far con- as I can tell. No contact though. His Substack. Okay, ten. I, I have not even. I haven't even been to Substack. Yeah. We were on Tinkar's show a long time ago when we first got started. Let's see. Oh, he wants biggest geekus. He wants us, Joe. Well, of course he does. Well, who doesn't? <laughs> For his Substack. All right. Let's look into it. Unscripted is good too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Cool. We'll That's look into good. it. Yeah, I'm yeah. Not sure. Look into it. Substack. Noted. 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 Yeah. All right. Yes, he wants a BG unscripted and a few more for his Substack. Ask him how to join it. Oh, he just wants people. Oh, it, he just wants there? people to as uh, you know members. He's looking okay. for. He's got a member membership drive going. Is that what it is? Or, see. or he wants people to su- submit content. Yeah, we'll see. What uh, What's happening in Big Geek Emporium, dude? Anything All right, you got some news? Yeah, a couple of things for the Emporium. Oh, uh, kind of three. So, one today, I lowered the commission that I'm charging mm-hmm. from twenty five percent. Down to 10. Ooh. Boom, son. So, okay. I will contact 10 car and we'll see what we can do. Yeah. L says it's a network to, or to aggregate videos and stuff. Cool. All right. Oh, well, I know what Substack is. Uh, maybe he's trying to do like OSR aggregation there as well. Sure. Anyway. Um, so we, we dropped our um, commission down to 10%. Um, which is no longer just a slight difference from um, um, drive through Emporium, drive through Emporium, drive through RPG. Uh, theirs is 30 or 35, depending on whether or not you are exclusive. We have no exclu- exclusivity. Right. So I dropped it down to 10%. I asked previously of some of the uh, creators there um, if that would help drive prices down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and they said, yes, definitely. Cool. So that's why I did that because we are in a really terrible mm-hmm. economic slump in yep. this country. Yes. And, um, I figure I really only need enough to, um, Pay enough well. there to, you know, the, the, the overhead there isn't that much, you know, it kind of is right now because I'm paying for 
um, um, the new site. Uh, I'm going to uh, go from shared directory to a virtual private server. That's a little extra money as well. And um, so this month, the overhead is going to be fairly high. But in subsequent months, on a monthly basis, the overhead is not that great. So just charging a little bit should be should be fine. And I hope if I can get enough people, I hope, I hope this drop, because uh, I'm going to put it on Twitter after the show, uh, will help draw more people in, more traffic, and uh, will hopefully drive prices down a little bit. And maybe even uh, we can go down to 5%. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. And I was inspired by a, a fellow who has a, uh, a to totally different niche, totally different. Um, uh, it's not even hobby. It's it's a totally different market. Um, he has a platform and he only has he only charges a 1% uh, commission for the stuff that people put up on his platform. So I would it would be cool to 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 get my commission down to where it's uh, barely noticeable and uh, still pays the bills. Right. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's funny. 10%, <laughs> that means BG is making more than Legion of Myth or Magic Gathering. Yeah, no, yeah right. Yeah. 10% and not much is not much. Yeah, Legion's loaded over there. And Magic mm -hmm. Gathering, oh, jeez. Okay. Was there other things besides that? That you said there's a couple things. So, uh, so there's that. I'm also um, Legion of Myth asked uh, um, either yesterday, or the day before, if we could have gift cards. Ah. And uh, so because people are asking him, and I'm like, oh, oh okay, I'll look into that. So yeah. hopefully within a day or two, I can make that uh, a reality, and it, maybe that'll be lucrative. I don't even know how that will work with regard to. Um, the creators there. So I have to figure out the ins and outs. Yeah. So as far as, um, Oh, DM James says I'm sponsored by my wife. True. All right. Oh, and hello, DM James. Hopefully you've been listening. Um, why do you think it'll, why do people think we make a lot of money? Yeah, I think this room would look a lot different if we made a lot of money. <laughs> In fact, if I made a lot of money, it wouldn't be walls. It would be a window facing a beach. Yeah. More likely. Anyway, um, so we're going to have gift cards soon. Yeah. Um, and I just mentioned a virtual private server. That's going to be happening hopefully within a few days. Okay. Um, I'm not sure whether I have to purchase it as a separate thing and then migrate, or if uh, my my hosting a company can um, just upgrade me in place without me doing a whole lot. Right. I'm not sure. I'm going to hopefully work those details out, and soon after that, within a few weeks, we'll have the new site up. Okay. Or at least. I'll be able to look at it and we'll, we might have to do some back and forth and some fine tuning, but at least it will uh, be the new site, hopefully within a few weeks. Okay. What about, um, 
Any is that it as far as Big Geek Emporium? Yep. That's right, Max. He dreams of all the money he doesn't have. <laughs> so, um, anyway, so we're going to call ins or emails, none. So L says, yeah, no, I didn't know. We don't have any any of that stuff. Okay, cool. If your window, if you had a window facing a beach, your squirrel, he means my wife, <laughs> wouldn't let you stream anymore. Um, quite possibly, I might might have to have a have to have a, a Martinson fill in. Yeah. All right. Well, I think it's just about a show, don't you think? I think so. I think we uh, talked about attributes. We talked about Fright Night. Mm-hmm. Um, and we talked about AI, AI mm-hmm. Art. and our Big Geek updates. Yeah. Um, I guess another Big Geek update is I'm oh. really, really going to focus on getting the Big Geek, the Biggest Geekest Podcast um, dot com um, up to snuff. It's okay. very, it's very, um, um, very much uh, been forgotten. <laughs> well, dude, you got, you got a lot of irons in the fire, and like yeah. you know, I'm struggling with, I've I've committed to a third, um, a third creative thing besides my module and my uh, adventure. Uh, Joe may not remember, but I did tell him about that. Your module and your adventure. You know, my, my, my module and my convention. Sorry. Convention. Uh, Legion wants to do a little shameless plug, so we'll let him. Uh, Mark McKinnon of Besom will be on RPG Digest this Sunday. Right on. So check it out. Oh, wow. You guys are getting big time over there. Yeah. We got to make, we got a couple people we need to get on too. We got to get the Palladium guys on. We should talk about that after the stream. And we need, we need to get t shirt at Historian on. Yes. I also want to start getting some of the creators on Big Geek Emporium on. Like uh, good. David Guile, if they if yeah. they're up for it, yeah, David would be cool to have. He's willing. David, um, um, Red Room, all those guys. Yeah, they'd be fabulous. Um, so we're gonna have all these links on how you can support us and subscribe and all that good stuff at the in the show notes. Joe's gonna make that happen. So uh, check those out. Um, anything else, Joe? Um, just a reminder: we are on Ko-Fi. And uh, Streamlabs, if you want to throw some cash our way, we and like you don't want to use, uh, and you don't want to use the regular stuff like PayPal, like, like PayPal, because no one does. Yeah. All right, dude. Well, this is Randy, and I'm Joe. And remember, if you can't be big like us, then be geeks like us. Mm-hmm.